I think it's not about just nourishing ourselves with life and experiences and you know good balanced you know food and everything. I think it's also about you know nourishing experiences and and being true and honest and giving everything to everything that you are doing. to the seventh episode of the Grassy Hopper podcast. My name is Yasmin, I'm the founder of the Grassy Hopper and today I'm here with Dave Zamit, my co-host. You can find out more about Dave in episode one of the podcast where we interviewed him at length and today we're interviewing Peter Jan Grek, CEO and founder of Brandwagon, father of three and 5am triathlete. <laughs> Welcome Pete. <laughs> Thank Thanks you. for taking the time to talk to us. This is going to be a new topic for the Grasshopper podcast because we haven't really gone into startup, business um, and the more commercial side of our existences. So I'm very excited to get into this topic. Cool, happy Obviously, to be here. It's something that I'm living, being a startup founder myself, so I think we're going to have a lot to tease out. Yeah, we'll, we'll make some notes and <laughs> check check and steal some, some secrets from each other. Yeah. <laughs> So we were thinking, there's a lot we want to talk about, but we were thinking of starting from the beginning, basically your drive to found Brandwagon, mm-hmm. what situation you were in in your life that made you say, okay, I have this vision and I'm going to commit myself to making this happen. Okay, I, I don't really think I ever said I'm going to commit myself to making this happen. <laughs> and probably if I knew how tough it was going to be, I, I might have um, wondered whether I should have done that. Um, the truth is that... What happened to me way back in 2006, I was the um, marketing manager of a, of a wine-making company over here, a winery. It was a fantastic job, many hangovers, but really good people and, and um, a really fun, fun project. Um, I always wanted to get into... So I, before that, I used to work in an agency, and I always wanted to go client-side before taking the next step. And I think it was being sort of client-side when I realized how... I think how different, um, you know, working in an agency is to actually being the client and understanding that, you know, we need to deliver results, which if we don't deliver results, some people might be without a job, we might not without a target. And I got that sort of understanding when I was working there. So when I, when I decided that um, I wanted to do something else, I wanted to get into branding. And I looked around for brand agencies in Malta and I think... I don't think there was anything really which sort of caught my eye or caught my interest. I also wanted to look for an agency which... I was looking for an agency which had a bit of a different sort of culture. I think the story goes, it didn't exist, so I decided to build it myself. When you say different, what do you mean exactly? Well, I think, I think different about... So, way back when I started out, I think that, you know, it was... It was a very, very different um, different time for, for creatives in Walter. So typically creatives were the people who were left in the dark, dingy basements of studios, um, second-rate citizens in the agency world, which were typically just given, I won't even call it a brief, you know, half a request, you know, give me a couple of logos and it's shown to a client. No true understanding of, of what was going on with no sort of FaceTime with clients, with no deep um, sort of respect or appreciation for the work that they were doing 
there was a big big divide I think between sort of um, you know the, the client was requesting the work and the creative was actually creating the work and I think that there wasn't I think I'm 100% sure that there was hardly any sort of focus on strategy so why are you doing this are people questioning you know what's what's somebody's drive to create a brand to create an ad to create um, you know anything sort of brand strategic if you wish and so there was sort of on one side the wish to create better work and on the other side a wish to create a better atmosphere for creatives to thrive in in fact at the very beginning when I started out um I used to use mainly freelancers. Most of these freelancers actually worked in other agencies who were competitors of mine. So part-time they would be you know, friends of mine who would freelance for me. I used to make them sign the work that they gave me. And I used to make it clear to, to the client who worked on it. But because they put their name on a project and because they had so much sort of um, ownership, if you wish, on the job, just the work was just completely different level. But I took the time to explain. I, I brought them along the journey. And branding is all about you know, taking people on the journey. You know, asking questions why and, you know, bringing them up into the open. Yeah, I mean, in a way, we've kind of seen this shift in marketing from, mm-hmm. you know, the beginning of the Industrial Revolution where it was just like, get the information out there, put yeah. on TV, flood people with leaflets. Yeah, I've seen on TV. Yeah, <laughs> to it becoming an actual art form. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of what you're saying, that Brand Wagon was kind of one of the agencies um, in Malta who pioneered this, this transition. Yeah, I mean, pioneer is a really big word and I'd hate to sort of try and take any credit to that. But I do feel that we we managed to really stick to our guns and we managed to push push the boundaries here. And, um, you know, I can see, like, you know, when we started up, what, nearly ten and a half years ago till today, I mean, the quality of work that's out there, you know, even from the competition, has really immensely improved. And, I mean, I can't say it's thanks to us, but I would like to say that, you know, I think we had something to do with it. And I'm really proud of the work that comes out of, you know, many creatives on the island. And, you know, be it our competitors or, or our work as well. There's obviously, you know, more work to be done. But, you know, when I'm working in, in London, for example, presenting one of our projects to a UK client, who would typically wouldn't be confident enough to go in front of, today we stand there, you know, solid and, and bold and, you know, really happy to show them what we're doing. And typically we're... We're a cut above a lot of, you know, other London agencies. And that's, you know, quite a good sort of pat on the back. And, and if we, we could maybe take a step back mm-hmm. and just look at, you know, uh, Brand Wagon's motto is all about challenging everything. And from, from the initial stages, you, you just strive to be, to, to be different, to act different, to offer different mm-hmm. and better offerings. And where do you feel that stems from as Peter Gregg? The, well, the individual well I think I mean I, I would say that probably so So, brand argument believes in three main things challenge everything is sort of one of the things it starts off with being um, you know with being brutally honest so it's challenge everything be brutally honest and have fun um, I think you cannot challenge everything without being brutally honest so it's one thing about about challenging just to challenge but it's another thing about you know trying to make sure that you're really getting to the to the you know, when you ask why five times, you typically get the real answer that you're mm. actually looking for. Yeah. You really get... And and I believe that, you know, even though... I mean, this is branding, creative. Is it an art form or is it a science or is it what it is? I've, I've sat in front of so many amazing entrepreneurs and founders of ideas and, you know, creators and makers who just aren't good at telling their own story. 
And the reality, you know, the challenge is to ask people why you're doing what you're doing and to get that story out into the open. Because sure, I mean, there's always a commercial reason and there's, you know, there's this, that and the other. But typically, you know, the, the good brands, the big brands, the brands that have some sort of soul of their own or personality of their own, you know, whether we like it or not, whether we agree with what that soul or personality is, I think the beautiful part of it is, is just bringing that into the open. And that is how you can connect customers to brands. Mm-hmm. So this challenge, everything is is you know one way, you know making sure you get to the sort of to the bottom of of things, and that's why you need to be brutally honest. Is this really what you're trying to say? But I think it's also about is the can we do it better? You know, are we really getting the best out of what we're trying to do? Can you do better than this? You know, I remember whenever faced in front of a designer who's given me you know some piece of work which I'm not convinced is probably their best shot. I always ask them, is, you know, is are you proud of this? Is this the is this your best shot? You know, just to make sure, you know, and probably I'm a huge um, royal pain in their ass. But the truth is, you know, if it's going to push them further, I'm not trying to be the nice guy. I'm just trying to get good work out of them, and yeah. typically they're more proud of it later. But, so this challenge thing is mm-hmm. how can we do things better? You know, how are agencies being run? Can they be done better? What's our process? Can it be improved? Can we unpick it? I think there's a tough part as well in saying challenge everything because. It's easy for me to say, I'm CEO, challenge everything, come on guys, challenge everything. But then sometimes you're faced with an employee who tells you, challenge everything. Pete, I don't like what you just said. And there is a bit of, you know, like, way, you know, it's like when one of your kids says no to you. Well, you guys don't have kids, but it's something which happens to me every day. And you're all of a sudden, you know, like, face it, okay, am I challenging enough? Am I being brutally honest about what I'm delivering for whatever it is? I can really relate to that. Like as an entrepreneur, I have a similar philosophy with my team. You know, getting them to be open and challenge what I say. And um, we're very dem- democratic and helping mm-hmm. to voice their opinions. And obviously, as a founder and as a CEO, you're used to being in that leadership position, and it, it can be very difficult to humble yourself mm-hmm. enough to just listen to. You know, we've had people who've come in; they've worked for two days, and they've said, "Like, I really don't like the way you guys do this." Mm-hmm. And yeah, you have to be quite humble and you have to be really committed mm-hmm. to want to learn and mm-hmm. grow every day to kind of keep your ego in check mm-hmm. and say, okay, like I need to listen to this. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's good. I think it's important to, to always be open and honest and, you know, in touch with, with everything that's going on, you know, both in life and business and in your personal life. And I think, you know, the, I, so I don't believe in democracy. <laughs> and I think, I mean, as... As you know, we look at the history of civilization today. Clearly, probably democracy isn't the best sort of um, way of governing. And I'm not trying to, you know, unpick that. That's you know, leave that to other politicians, lawyers, and liars. Um, but I think I think it's important as well to stand behind what you believe in. So I always tell my guys, like, listen, you know, this is a business. Um, you know, we've tested a lot of the theories. So I'm happy for you to unpick whatever you want to unpick, and I'm going to definitely listen. But at some point, somebody needs to take a decision then as well. So there is that balance between, yeah, let's be democratic, let's be nice, let's, be, let's listen. But the truth is, it's not being, it's not being humble and, and stopping to listen just to be nice. But it's humbling and stopping to listen because you can improve yeah. and because you can deliver a better yeah. result. And and sometimes you're caught between that. You know, as as a as a leader, you know, you've got somebody in front of you who you want to help and you want to be nice to and you want to take care of and you want to foster their growth. But sometimes being too nice is maybe not the right thing. Yeah. You know, it's nice. It's about saying, okay, unpick it. Yeah. Thank you. Disagree. Yeah. Let's move on. What I find a lot is that 
obviously the higher up in the business you go and especially when you're in the fa- you're the founder you have a very sort of whole view of your business mm-hmm. and sometimes people who are working in maybe one department they can optimize for mm-hmm. their area mm-hmm. but not yeah. for the business as a yeah. whole so yeah it might make sense like for me for example you know the kitchen team might want something which is good for the kitchen but it might not be good for the whole brand for the yeah. business as a whole so yeah in that state in that situation you kind of have to mm-hmm. reserve the right to say you know mm-hmm. um, no i think i think that's, that's typically where most things yeah. you know okay I, there's a really interesting um, theory by this guy called ken wilber philosopher and he he proposes instead of a hierarchy a holarchy okay so it's essentially you still got the hierarchy but what brings someone to the top of that hierarchy is increasing wholeness and increasing level of integration um, and I, I've told you this sometimes as well where I remove myself mm-hmm. from that top of the pyramid within my business because I'm not in the right state of mind where I'm seeing things clearly because mm-hmm. something's pissed me off and I'm irritated or I'm kind of unbalanced yeah. and then I kind of turn to one of the other managers and say like listen you guys need to decide on this because I'm I'm not mm-hmm. whole in this moment mm-hmm. I think it's a really beautiful uh, That's true, theory huh? to yeah. kind of run an organization by because as you said democracy and anarchy mm-hmm. doesn't work when you're mm-hmm. trying to get stuff done <laughs> yeah. but it's like a way to have a hierarchy without that dominator mm-hmm. hierarchies that we've seen mm-hmm. so much in business where the people at the top just dominate. Yeah, and I think underneath. we tend to start to alienate ourselves as well because you know our minds are and our heads are in a very different space to where the people actually working in the project are. And I totally agree with you. Sometimes we really need to take a couple of steps back to listen um, and to really understand, you know, what's going on. In the same way, we need to sort of, you know, without putting too much burden on our teams, you know, explain to them what's really going on so they get that sort of total 360 view of, of why you're taking decision and I think you know that's coming back to the brutal honesty is it's why it's so important to be honest with your team and explain listen this is why we're doing this they might not get it straight away but at least you're being open about it many times you know in our in our history we've had to sort of you know open up and say guys listen we're dealing with this situation at the moment it's not an easy one you know every possible solution is probably not going to be the nicest of outcomes but a decision needs to be taken and we need to move on you know and you know you're going to get a bit bruised but you still have to go roll with it the bruise will pass yeah bruises are part and parcel of startup life yeah totally <laughs> yeah, yeah. as is the fun and everything though yeah. I mean I, I wouldn't change anything probably now yeah I'm, I'm wondering if we could maybe hone in on, on the you know the brutally honest mm-hmm. and um, challenge everything aspect um, primarily with, with just you as a person and you know knowing you for a while now um, <clears throat> I also know the other side which is you know the prior to Brandwagon which was you know the rebellious Pete who um, challenged everything and was very brutally honest with himself and you know was in the rock band and started Brandwagon from his <laughs> you know from his bedroom with just one other guy and I think that's such a, an interesting story uh, you know one which created so much drive and ambition because mm-hmm. you know I don't think there are many uh, you know, CEOs who go around with the drive that you have and I was just wondering like if you could go into that you know your your history before Brandwagon yeah, yeah, of course um, the history before Brandwagon it's very long half <laughs> time. Um, well I think a bit of background you know would be good I was, I was one of five kids so I learned how to be how to get what I needed and what I wanted in any way shape or form um, you know I had to learn how to stand on my own two feet at a very early age 
you want to see how democracy doesn't work, you know, you should come to our Sunday lunch. Um, <laughs> it's basically the loudest or the quietest seems to win. Um, yeah, I've always loved loved the arts. I've always loved music. Um, and music, I think, was sort of my biggest way of of expressing myself in ways where maybe I couldn't express myself, you know, from a face-to-face value. So I think there's that probably was very brutally honest in my lyrics, but not maybe brutally honest with myself or with the people around me, um, you know, prior to that. So I think music was a, a sense of expression. It was also, you know, a great place to pick up women, <laughs> um, which is where I met my wife, in fact. Um, I'm being brutally honest, no? Um, yeah, and so sort of when I decided to start a brand wagon and I had like 400 euros in my bank account and no... Um, no other source of income except a gold card which I managed to get before um, before resigning I would never got it otherwise um, I, I sort of started you know just to go back to my band days to my singing days and started singing in bars to, to raise cash and to raise capital in fact I mean probably the first year or so I was probably making more money singing behind <laughs> behind in a bar you know than than actually working at Brandwagen to people paid and you know in the service industry especially in water no one ever pays up front um, yes yeah, so you know so that's sort of you know where it, where it all started um, and I think there's again coming back to the brutal honesty for many many years it's funny enough the subject of my blog post this week um, you know I was a bit shy about the fact that I was singing in a bar and then the next morning you know giving a presentation in a boardroom with a bunch of corporates wearing suits you know so um, but there's so many similarities, and I learned so much. I think you know by singing in in you know in a bar, you know, on learning how to deal with a crowd, learning how to deal with you know with um, with people's vibes and understanding and being in touch with you know with with the general mood. Um, it also taught me you know how to how to really you know work hard, you know, because as I said, you know, I took any job I could at that time, whether it was singing, whether it was you know, emptying containers, whether it was being a host in a big event, whether it was, you know, designing sometimes some of my own stuff because a designer would have let me down, um, or folding menus for, you know, events or whatever it was. Um, you know, that's that's the backstory, if you wish. Um, starting up, Brandwagen had a number of hiccups. So I was supposed to start the agency with somebody else, an old friend of mine. Um, we were working together in the agency prior to the wine job. And she was going to start and with me. I would, the idea was I'd start off and then she'd join me later. And then later came and she said, listen, I'm not too sure. I've just been offered another job by somebody else. Like, all right, but I've lost, left my job. What am I going to do now? You know, I'm the account executive and you're the designer. What do we do? And, um, and she said, yeah, okay, I'll, you know, I'll think about it. I said, all right, give me an answer by Friday. You know, Friday came, she said, listen, I've been really busy this week. I haven't had time to think about it. I said, fine, you know, let me know by Monday. And I think on that weekend I decided, listen, if I can't be in a business with somebody who can't take decisions that fast, or at least for the big stuff, and be not in it, forget it. So Monday came and we met and I said, hey, how are you doing? I said, listen, before you tell me your answer, I've taken my decision and it's going to be a no. So, you know, and she was actually going to say yes, <laughs> which, you know, which was something but you've got to stick to your guns then and you've got to stick to, and I, you know, it's clearly worked out. Um, I'm still very good friends with this person you know we 
we still meet now and again and we you know we we joke and we laugh so you know it's all cool and you know this is not about blame it's about decisions that people take and different routes that we take after that so the freelancers were extremely handy but then another guy another friend of mine an old bandmate of mine said hey I'm you know coming down from London I'll, I'll join we'll do this together came down da 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 listen I'm not feeling sure anymore it's like alright man <laughs> Jesus Christ so you know that's that's where that was and then thanks to the singing I met Chris who is um, the next founding partner at a gig you know I was there sound checking he was having a beer and I said hey Chris how are you man I hadn't seen him in years because he had moved to London and um so I'm a designer. I said, ah, brilliant. I could do it some more freelancers. So I, I gave him a job and he just came back to me with some really amazing work, which was completely different from anything I'd seen on, you know, by the designers. And I, there and then I said, wow, this guy's really good. So I sort of offered him a desk and a chair and a more permanent position and then wondered how the hell I was going to ever pay his wage. But um, somehow we made, <laughs> we made the wage by the end of the month and the month after that. I'm not sure I got paid, but he did. And um, and the rest is history. Eh? <laughs> Amazing. Um, I think another really sort of interesting aspect of the way you manage your life, because I'm very interested in the way founders sustain energy. Because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, ten years down the line, it takes a phenomenal amount of stamina and drive, and you've got to keep that up for years and years. It's like the longest marathon ever. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, like how you sustain that energy mm. in your day-to-day life. I know sports is a, you know, 5 a.m. triathlon is a very big part of that. And maybe, I don't know, if you have any sort of food, ways of eating or looking after yourself. Or maybe we can... Yeah, for sure. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of chapters. <laughs> Do I have enough time for all this? Um, so, so sports is something which I only sort of um, kind of got into at a much later stage of my life. I think it was about four years ago when I actually got into sports. I was, you know, rock and roll lifestyle without the drugs. So, you know, smoking, drinking, wasn't really the healthiest um, of people. Um, and I somehow got into sports by chance. Um, the company sponsored a charity triathlon. One of the guys walked into my room and said, hey, we're all doing something, what do you want to do? I said, fine, I'll swim. And he walked out of my room and I never took any notes of when that swim was and how that was going to help me out. And it ended up being a two-kilometer open water swim in March. It was like, what are you <laughs> talking about? And I, I called up a couple of mates of mine, Simon and Kurt, and, um, and I said, guys, so apparently I'm doing the swim. Can you help me out? These guys are swimmers. So um, I went down and met them by the sea, and one of them lent me a suit, which was something I had no idea I needed. Jumped into the sea, got the shock of my life with a cold. Um, I started hyperventilating. One of the guys, Kurt, um, grabbed me and said, shut the F up, <laughs> calm down and breathe and just swim. So, you know, in Dory style, just keep swimming basically. So I swam, it probably was the longest two kilometers and um, slowest two kilometers race. I got up, you know, and time after time I, I did the race and I actually ended up, you know, with kind of amongst the first, you know, group of the of the swimmers. So I said, ah, this is cool, I actually started to enjoy that. Started swimming, did a couple of small swims, swam Gozo Malta. Um, that was really fun. And then Nathan, your last guest, um, was a client of ours at the time. And he said, so I'm going to do this crazy swim. You want to guys support me? This crazy challenge, the um, Ultramate Challenge. He said, would you guys, you know, brand it and take care of all the marketing? I said, sure, no worries. 
Um, I'm always very happy to say yes and then think about what I just committed to <laughs> later. And and that's in fact what happened next because um, Nathan told me, do you want to swim with me? It's like as if, and there's no way I'm going to do like that stupid 15 and a half kilometers. I should have stuck with that. But eventually I somehow got roped in and um, found myself doing the swim. At the time, it was definitely the toughest thing I ever did. And it's probably tougher for my wife who had to um, bear with me training every day for... You know, my 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 third um, kid was born when I decided to start doing this. So, like, it was, I think, seven months when I was doing my swim. So, for the seven months, I was waking up early every day, going out there on three or four hours of sleep, you know, hitting the pool for half an hour and swimming. And it it just, I think, gave me a completely different sense of of space. And I think, just come back to your original question... I just discovered where I was finally getting my energy from. So I think by nature I'm quite, uh, I like my own space. I like, you know, to find time to think. And effectively being open water swimming is the only place where nobody can really get to you over the phone, <laughs> email or anything else. Um, and I just found this this piece where I could actually, you know, just, you know, be in my own thoughts. Um, you know, I used to sing to myself underwater just to, you know, keep cool and calm I remember doing the ultimate swim and just hearing the the soundtrack of Jaws in the background so that was a bit worrying um, but then you know it was the place where I could just be alone in my thoughts and um, you know I always loved the sea so it just connected with me and then you know after that swim I had injured my shoulder I started cycling then I dislocated my other shoulder so I started running and then when I was you know back in and said alright I can do three sports now <laughs> I just not stick to them not sure my wife would agree that that's the best thing but it works for me so I you know I try and wake up every morning like around 4.30 I try and settle my kids lunches before you know they wake up and then I head out around probably quarter past five try and fit in maybe 10-15 minutes of yoga stretching ride or run um and just connected myself, you know, and just talk to myself. See, but but even that, I think, and I mean, just going back to the swim because I was I was there for the. <laughs> of course you were, man. <laughs> well, firstly, I I still remember. I think I was there for one of the first times that Pete put on a, a wetsuit and, and and jumped into the sea, and I remember going down with a bunch of guys. And looking, I was like, who the hell is this guy? He kind of looked like he had no idea what he was doing, where he was. It wasn't just a look. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember, you know, you just jumped in and, and you know, despite you know, the lack of um, training and, 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 and fitness, you know, you just, I could just see, you know, that you really wanted to just like keep pushing and, 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 and you know, just enjoy and explore like this newfound uh, adventure and, and like mm-hmm. um, space exactly that that you you had and but I think it's quite amazing how you know I think many people would just get into that and and you know dip their feet in and and, and you know maybe just stick to a one or two k swim you know but for you to go and then do this fifteen k you know in a in a kind of shipping straits I mean not many people do that and it, I think it's quite amazing how how you know within just going from nothing to to that is yeah. quite fascinating I think there's two things to that I think from the one side you know I'm one hot-headed son of a bitch so that's you know that's that's Everyone one thing <laughs> yeah I think I think if you if you get you know if you're if you're here you're probably one of those people 
Um, I think, you know, I always say like my mind will take me places my body can't. And, you know, sometimes the mantra is, you know, when we're walking into a project which we have really, which is really out of our depth, we always say, you know, like fake it till you make it. And this, I've, I learned a long time ago, you know, the whole concept of self-actualization where you, you close your eyes and you just imagine yourself succeeding, you know. I used to do it when I used to perform on stage. I used to, you know, before going out on stage, I'd actually close my eyes and just imagine you know, the, the crowd clapping and, and, you know, and cheering and, you know, and the, and the song finishing. And it was so clear in my mind that, you know, then I just had to go out and execute. So I think there's, there's a bit of that. I think there's also the fact that, you know, if I commit to something, I'm, I'm going to have to make it happen. I'm not stupid. So, if, you know, if I've had to back out from, from some stuff. You know, I will back out. You know, I'm not completely ignorant. Um, but I think, you know, when the swim, when the... Um, when the sort of the ultimate challenge came along, I think there was another part to it, which was I just had my third child, and um, and everything was fine. And you know, I'm, I'm blessed to be a father of three kids, and you know, they're all, as far as I can see, super crazy healthy kids. Um, and I'm I'm so grateful, you know, I'm so lucky to be in that position. Now I don't know what the future might unfold, and I'm sure it's going to bring us some new surprises one day, but. You know, I looked at some friends of ours who, you know, who were dealing with different realities. And and for me, it was, you know, what, 15 and a half kilometers of of, of torture, if you wish, of, of pain. But it's such a temporary thing, you know, to consider people have to wake up every single day and deal with children who are, have disability, who have some sort of, you know, challenge that they're dealing with. And and to me, that's what it was. So, you know, I, was, I remember doing that, that swim, which was incredibly tough you know you know all the story you know we left late because Nathan wasn't going to make it so it just had you know completely played around yeah, we, yeah. we went out there without breakfast the, it was a hot day the sea yeah. was you know crazy I had a huge migraine halfway through you know the waves were just you know pounding mm-hmm. um, in the last two kilometers the current was completely against you so I remember like looking down and I'm seeing the same stone for the last yeah. five minutes yeah. I'm like are you serious <laughs> you know and sprinting just to move you know but at the back of my mind and I, I you know I remember saying this like to me it's just one stroke to somebody else this is the reality and you know and that is what sort of pushed me through to to commit I mean we we set out to you know raise some funds and we we were going to go and get them no matter what and it's the same I think in life you know you I believe you got to commit you got to go you know my kid, my parents taught me how to you know like really if you got if you have a commitment you don't you don't you don't get out of it you know you just deliver yeah. you just you know stand up and show must go on eh? yeah I mean like the old saying goes you know you really find out what you're made of when you yeah. reach a challenge that you think that you can't get yeah. through <laughs> yeah, yeah. in fact there's um, there's a lady who um, there's a swimmer Diane and I I'm sure you've, yeah. you've, you're familiar with it for sure Dave Diane Nyad is the um, is this woman who crossed from Florida, Florida to Cuba Cuba, Cuba to Florida yeah that's right yeah. which is probably one of the most difficult straits to cross and sure there was a lot of you know talk whether she did it properly or not because she was following a boat and all this crap I mean Jesus Christ! Still, I mean, she was like sixty, sixty, 60 plus. Yeah, and she had tried to do this. I don't know how many times before and failed, and you know, got you know stung by jellyfish, and you know, went into shock and blah blah blah. But in one of her podcasts, she talks about uh, one of her TED talks, which is it's a TED talk which I have got saved on my phone and I listen to every time I'm heading towards some challenge. 
And she says, it's, you know, it, sure it is about the journey and sure it is about the destination because destination is sweet if you actually get there. But it's not about that. It's also about who you become, you know, by doing this challenge. It's not about what you go through. It's about who you become. And, um, and I think I'm, I'm so grateful that I've had so many amazing opportunities, which I was, I think, crazy enough or clever enough or stupid enough to actually say, yes, I'm going to do that, you know, and... And it's these things which have changed me and have made me become, you know, a different version of myself. Yeah. And fundamentally, I mean, my ultimate goal is not about, you know, money or triathlons or Ironman and all that jazz. It's, you know, it's about, you know, trying to be a better version of myself and be the best version of myself before I die and trying to improve the people around me. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, totally resonate with that philosophy. I... I feel very grateful that I run my own business because I can bring that kind of philosophy into the workplace, which is yeah. not, not very common. And you mentioned that the first time we met, and you said, you know, I want that people who come to Brandwagon and work are transformed through what they mm-hmm. do. I think it's a very rare trait amongst entrepreneurs, and very beautiful. And now I'm kind of seeing, you know, what has made you get to that place. And maybe you could just talk a little bit around translating that into Brandwagon and how mm-hmm. you how you maintain that. Well. There's a guy, um, there's a guy called David Ogilvy, who's um, like one of the grandfathers of, of advertising, and I, you know, I was a big fan of his teachings and his books when I was a kid. And one thing he said was, um, you know, if we employ people who are smaller than us, we'll have a company of dwarfs. But if we employ people who are bigger, better than us, we're gonna have a company of giants. And that's you know one big philosophy which I've always you know held held close. So it's also about, you know, hiring the right people and, and, you know, looking for the people that that make most sense for your business. But it's also about how you can help transform and help, you know, people achieve more out of, out of, you know, out of what they have. I mean, I think it's something beautiful about, for me, it's extremely satisfying seeing people come into Brandwagon as interns, as, you know, as designers. And then, you know, they you know they they become so much better people and and i think you know for me it's if i make my people successful they will make us successful in the long run and is this is this just a byproduct of you know the values that you're talking before about challenge everything or is there something kind of specific and tangible that you have said okay we're setting this up because mm-hmm. this is going to help transform people well i think i, I mean I, as i said before you know like when i came to this it was a very different place you know i didn't see I, I knew that designers could be bigger, better than they were currently in, this, in the scenarios that they were given to play with. And I saw when you give people space, they really become amazing. And if you give them you know, the right training, if you mentor them, if you coach them, you learn so much more from them as well. You know? So the reality is my biggest asset on my team. There's no denying that. And you know, if I grow my team properly as people, not as numbers, you know you can see so many amazing results I mean so many different you know like success stories of brand like you know people coming in as freelancers then become designers and now creative director you know somebody coming in as an intern who could barely design you know today is running like the UX team you know Chris you know my founding partner who at the very beginning was a designer just a designer today is the chief operations officer of the company and the backbone to all our processes and I mean he's just a you know such an amazing you know inspiration for the whole team and again you know these are just give people half an opportunity and see how long and how far they can go with it yeah 
I think in a way like it comes down a lot to trust like when you trust mm-hmm. the people and trust them to make mistakes then they're going to grow it's, it's so easy when you're an entrepreneur and a leader to not trust or not yeah. trust fully um, uh, but yeah in the long term you actually lose out a lot I think you have to you know I think at some point you're going to have to decide whether you're going to be a one man show or you're going to be a you know, a team of people. And the reality is that for me, Brandwagon is a is a transitional period. I don't believe that I'm going to be running Brandwagon for the rest of my days. The truth is that at some point, there's going to be some wiser, clever, more creative and a bit more challenging person than I am. And I need to move out of their way and let them run the team. You know, we, we our big vision for Brandwagon is to, you know, to create it into a, a concept which can be exported. Um, you know, whether that is opening a bunch of brand wagons around the world or whether people adopting the whole concept you know our process is very very clear we've got you know our own IP which is really easy to follow and it can be done and I believe that you know that that day is going to happen and I think you have to be really careful that when you create a business you're giving it its own life and this is like kids you know just because you brought them into this you know (laughs) into this planet doesn't mean they're your kids you're their parents but they're not your kids and there's yeah. a big difference you know looking at things that way you know it's not my business I'm just the founder for this business and it's going to take a route of its own because at some point I'm not going to be the smartest son of a bitch around <laughs> I think that's that's so interesting though because you know looking just going back to the conversation of you you know starting this off from a whole aspect of wanting to do something different wanting to be brutally honest challenge everything and and you know, creating such a big, uh, influential um, platform on mm-hmm. the island, and I think having that, um, you know, putting your ego aside and, and really taking a step back, and, and, and rather than saying this is mine, I'm, I'm gonna like Peter Gregg is brand wagon, and without me, it's kind of nothing really. Um, I think it takes a lot, you know, to 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 just step back and just allow it to kind of blossom on its own well I think I mean for me I'm not going to try and you know show this up or anything but like for me it's not I don't think it's a hard thing you know because the reality is like I just love doing what I do it's not about me it's just about you know getting the work out there and creating it Mm -hmm. to me I've always loved art for me branding is the opportunity to to get the art out there and and to me the canvas today is not the work that we do but it's it's the people who I have on my team, you know, and and you know, you just you just get so many amazing experiences by the people that you have with you. And if you just cloud yourself out there and just, you know, create this big ego of a persona that overtakes the business, I think it's just if I wanted to be about me, I would have called the company Peter Gregg Consulting. And I might have been richer cash wise, but not necessarily in experiences and not necessarily in you know, and the stuff that we do and the, the life I've had, you know, so it's, I think, it, you know, it's easy to go out there and say, oh, look at me and, you know, big, uh, crazy guy and blah, blah, blah. But the reality, it's not. I mean, I, I honestly, like I was just, I just was a lucky man to throw the first sort of foundation for the first two years I was on my own. And then, you know, Chris joined and then the other guys joined and then, you know, I have three amazing partners and, you know, they were just there and believed in the dream. So it's not mine, you know, that's the truth. You know, what Brandwagen is today is definitely not Peter Gregg. 
And you know, the team say, yeah, but Pete, you go out there and you lay the vision. Yeah, but somebody's got to do it, you know. Sometimes I'll happily take a step back, I can tell you. <laughs> but somebody's got to do it, you know. And maybe I'm the guy who doesn't... Maybe I'm fearless. You know, I, I get that a lot. I am. Of course, I've got my own fears and I'm scared. And, you know, is the next step going to ruin everything? But sometimes, you know, it's not about... It's about, you know, of course, you know, being scared is a reality that we all go through. But just having the guts to pull through and to commit, you know, and say, this is it, I want to go for it. Definitely. And, and I think, you know, we so often look at fear and think that fear is a bad thing mm-hmm. and tend to kind of shy away when fear gets in the way. But I think it's rather looking at fear and, and embracing fear and taking fear sure. kind of along with the journey with you. I think fear is one of the strongest things. Because it's kind of always going to be there. You know? It's about how you kind of just use it to your advantage advantage i think mm-hmm. and you know come out of of that uh, process as a bigger person as a person who can mm-hmm. pass on something i think it's a huge thing you know fear is an opportunity to to become a better person or at least to become a richer not necessarily a better person you know sometimes fear is there to say listen dude if you're gonna <laughs> decide to roll down that mountain bike down that hill that steep hill you're probably gonna get hurt if you don't get hurt, great. You've enriched your life. You've understood that you can actually do this. You've built some more confidence. Sometimes it's a good way of saying stop. But the you know the the fight or flight is is an opportunity to decide what you're going to do. And you know sometimes you go into something really really scared, but you get out of there so much more confident and so much stronger. And sometimes you go into something really really scared and it doesn't work out. Well, you have to deal with it, and it's just another experience. It's probably going to make you a bit tougher. You know, you do. I think this business, business in general, like I'm sure, you know, for you it's the same thing. You know, you just become a bit more hard. You know, I remember when like I had my first resignation at the office. I thought it was just it was worse than a breakup. I think. You know, like, what do you really want to do? <laughs> you know, it's like what did I do wrong? You know, why don't they like me anymore? The reality is, I mean, I think it'd be stupid and completely foolish for us to think that our employees are going to stay with us forever. You know, it's just it's just passing through, and you know, like a like somebody invites for a good dinner it's just a long dinner party and you know they stay you enrich your lives you feed them you nourish them they nourish you back and you know make space for the next person I think it's also just you know we have this natural desire to seek comfort so it's the same like a resignation is that thing Mm -hmm. it's a temporary discomfort Mm -hmm. but very often you find another person who's just as good or better Mm -hmm. it gives Mm -hmm. you opportunity for restructuring but that whole fear thing, you know, comes in and says like, oh, I just want to stay comfortable. I think me as an entrepreneur, it's just, I've had to get really used to discomfort yeah. <laughs> because you're never comfortable with yeah. it's. I think it's part of the whole journey. Yeah. And to me, that you know, another reason why I hit the trails every morning is because that little discomfort every morning, you know, by the time I'm in and, you know, it's what, eight o'clock, quarter to eight in the morning at the office and I'm bright and chirpy and positive, I've already hit my challenges, I've already hit a hill, I've already conquered that challenge, and so, quite frankly, you know, bring it on, next. <laughs> and it's true, you know, it, I think, you know, the, the dopamine hit that you get every morning, you know, by, you know, by, by running, by, by climbing up a hill with your bike, or whatever it is that you do, you know, I think is, it's just that, that, you know, good way of saying, hey, you've done one, you can do another. And to me, I think it's also like the 5am triathlete thing is also about, you know, the sun coming up again every morning, is just... It's just an opportunity to say, yeah, the sun's come up again. The new, there's a new opportunity there. There's a new chance to get it done, get out there and get it done. Yeah. 
very successful athletes and business people all swear by the, the five, four, five a.m. Yeah. We still haven't cracked that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> some people swear by it. Some people swear because swear of it. Yeah. I think. Also, something else that you that struck me when you mm-hmm. talk about your swim and you know one of the first few times that you got in the water and you really found that space and that peace and that mm-hmm. calm. And for me, I I can't run my business without tapping out. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, obviously, when you run a business, you kind of you know on call twenty four seven. You've got clients and staff, and you're. You have such a sort of stimulation overload, yet at the same time you know that inspiration and creativity comes from quiet and peace yeah. and reflection. So, like, what I don't know if you have any just general reflections about society in general. Mm. You know the, the kind of life that we're living at the moment and how what that means for people in the creative industries. Well, I, I think that this, you know in general our our business is one which is you know used to dealing with the with the deadlines. And I think just you know people need to learn how to say no, <laughs> you know push back, you know and say listen, if you want something good, it takes time. And I think you know the reality is at some point, I mean I can't say you know like it's something which came to me if, you know as I started the business. The reality I was really lucky that Gabby, my um, girlfriend and wife now, used to be really really busy working. Um, when I started the business, which gave me a lot of free weekends to do what I wanted and work, as opposed to being in a relationship where you know, I had to balance things out. So she was working late, and I'll be working late as well. And I think that, that in the very beginning, when I was, you know, I mean, chief account executive, creative director, cleaner, accountant, <laughs> and everything in between, like like we still do, which I'm sure you've done as well. You know, you um, you just need to keep on pushing. So it's it's only been maybe the last three, four years where I've managed to kind of slow down and and in general focus on on everything else. But I just realized the better person I've become by just stopping to think and zoning out. And and I think it's so important that, you know, that everyone takes time to do it. I was meeting, I met up with a fellow entrepreneur a couple of weeks back and um, he's telling me I was stressed out. I said, dude, just get up and go for a run. I said, like, you know, like, what do you mean? I said, just go. He said, like, all right. And he called me, he sent me a Facebook text, like, a couple of days later. So I went out for my first run, it felt amazing. And then the next day, so I went for an even longer run, it's amazing. So I can really find clarity. And this guy was someone who's super clever, super creative. Should probably have him on the podcast next. Um, you know, I'm just finally starting to see some clarity. Um, I met his his girlfriend yesterday night, and she said, like, you know, like I don't know what you did. What have you done? <laughs> because I've been telling him to run for the past I don't know how many yeah. years, and all of a sudden this guy's out there running. I said, you know, we obviously we don't listen to the people closest to us sometimes, you know, and I think that's normal and typical. Just going back to your question, I think I always like my guys. You know, they come into the office, they panic. They, I said, all right, anyone died, and that immediately stops people in their tracks. You know, like. We're all going to die. We're all going to die one day. Some sooner than later, we're all dealing with mortality. Some facing it, some ignoring it. I'm not going to spend my, you know, my days just panicking about, you know, the, the real petty stuff. And yeah, you can work yourself to the bone and you can make a lot of money. I know that we could be so much more profitable if I pushed everybody to really give themselves, you know, 150%. But it's just not the mentality. I like... I like waking up in the morning and seeing the guys at the office, you know, actually happy to be there. You know, I like to be able to look them in the eyes and say, yeah, how's it? How's it going? You know, and 
I might not be able to pay them the best jobs in the world and they can go and you know change industry or go work in the gaming industry and make so much more money but the reality is they have a life you know and and things can wait but you have to be you know at the end of the day the the owner of your destiny to design your own life to say this I can do this I can't do and I mean I have a, a strong work ethic so I work hard very hard but stop is stop yeah. I'll hardly look at my emails on the weekend hardly I'll probably look out to see if there's just anything interesting which I mm-hmm. you know was there a new podcast out there did a friend of mine send me a, if it's you know a work email it can't wait probably yeah. you know if anyone needs to grab me they'll just you know give me a call and they'll they'll reach out and, and at that point I'll be really happy to help yeah. but not for just oh because I need to alright if you didn't plan <laughs> enough in time it's not my fault I'm not going to kill my team because of you yeah. forget it you know this is you want good work it takes time yeah, <laughs> yeah and I think just reflecting as well on you know the importance of getting out there and, and you know you mentioned a friend of yours who goes out starts going out on morning runs and I think it's not just you know going out and doing exercise more importantly it's it's just having that that time for yourself mm-hmm. and creating that internal space and i think in a place like you know in, in the island that we that we, we we live in you know that is so difficult to 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 come across and you know i know, you know pete and i were quite into our uh, you know outdoor sports and i think the there's more to that than just the physical mm-hmm. aspect of it i think it's you know just really creating that that sense of space for yourself mm. which 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 then you could you know just small pockets of that which you could i think have so much impact on the rest of your day you know the way you are with people the way you are with yourself your environment i think i do tend to agree with you i think everybody needs to find their own you know release if if they're wired that way because some yeah. people get energy yeah, yeah. from people some people get energy from being alone and i think that's you know a, a reality i think but everybody needs to find this space where they can really talk to themselves. But I do believe that the sports has a lot to do with it. So I really believe today, I mean, that, you know, what you eat, how you sleep, how you live, what you breathe, I think is really important as well. So coming back to, to your point, I think, yeah, you need to go and find your space, but you also need to nourish your body, you know, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's all chemical reactions. I mean, Nathan was saying it last time. It is chemicals in your body which are going around, and sometimes I think we, we find it hard to deal with the fact. Oh, I'm feeling depressed. Yeah, but why? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're feeding your stuff, you're feeding your you know, your body all this crap. I'm not surprised. You know, you're putting yourself to these huge sugar rushes, and you know, like all of a sudden, then you're just feeling down. Of course, <laughs> you know, of course you are. I'm not surprised. We're gonna have a few podcasts going into this. Uh, this I have, topic I have no a, doubt, and, and I'm definitely not the person, yeah. you know, to be here. I mean, I believe in but a real no, balanced it's, lifestyle. It's great to have people just say, like you said, we need to be aware of it because that's the mm-hmm. first step. If you're not even ready to kind of say, listen, it's important. Yeah. Fluid. It's funny because it's so like imminent you know you eat and it's just there you, mm-hmm. if you get food poison you feel the food in of the course you do. if you're sensitive you feel it yet at the same time we're so unconscious about the yeah. way that we react with, interact with food mm. no i think i think we're we're so we're so focused on our um curated life mm-hmm. if you wish that we don't focus on our on what we should be caring about really yeah. and truly you know so I mean, the reality is that, you know, we all need to focus on our bodies and ourselves first. And yeah. if you can't function well, there's something wrong. You need yeah. to get to the bottom of that because it's going to affect you. It's going to affect how you perceive yourself. It's going to affect how you how you perceive others as well. You know, if you really, 
you know, if you're not if you're not in a good space, anything I say right now could be triggering off the wrong things. Yeah. And that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because and I know I'm, I'm aware of you know, like I call myself, I get hangry. You know, so <laughs> if I'm hungry, I can get really angry. Yeah. But I know that you know, so I always keep some food with me and always you know make sure that you know food is really important for me. Well, um, food should be important for everyone, I think. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> if you try, body type try and speak to me at midday, <laughs> and you know how important it is to me more than it is for you. You see me, yeah. You see me. You know, I just stop focusing and say, "All right, lunch now." What I know, but it can wait. You know. Um, no, but even I mean, I can see you know with my team as well. You know, like I think we have such a responsibility, you know, to the people around us to to just lead by example. You know, I can tell at the office how over the last couple of years, you know, people have become so much more focused on, you know, on their health, on what they eat. On now, I'm probably the biggest pain in the butt at the office about these things. Are you drinking that? That's full of sugar. Are you doing that? That's full of. I'm probably a real pain. It's fine. I don't mind. I can I can live with that. You know, um, but but it makes a big difference. Definitely, <laughs> I'm paying to say that. <laughs> I'll charge you later. <laughs> One thing I, I wanted to ask you as well is, ten years um, in Brandwagen, did you ever go through phases where you just lost your inspiration and said like, what am I doing? And if so, how did you kind of navigate that? How how what got you through that? Um, I think you ask yourself, what are you doing on a daily basis? You know, are you doing the right thing? Is this the next step? Am I doing enough? Am I doing too little? Am I doing too much? Are we going in the right way? Am I just crazy? Because everybody looks at me sometimes like I am. Um, I think, you know, it's so important to stick to, you know, to to who you are and be true to where you're going. I think sometimes you make mistakes and you just have to own up to them and say, whoops, let's fix it. I'm sorry, screwed up. I'm going to fix it. Um, I Thankfully, I've never been in that situation where I wondered what the hell I was doing and wanted to stop. But there have been many challenges along the way. There have been many times where... You know, we're on the brink of bankruptcy because a client didn't pay us. Or because, you know, there were days when one of the guys, you know, screwed up and we might have got sued. We did, you know, more than once. Um, and there's stupid things, but you stick by your team. You know, when you're CEO or when you're the founder, if it's good, it's a team's um, credit. If it's screwed up, it's your fault, <laughs> you know. And that's... At least that's how I've always felt, you know what I mean? If we do something wrong, it's my fault because I should have known about it, I should have prevented it. Because it's my fault doesn't mean I'm going to beat myself up now as if. It just means that I should have been, I should have learned from it. You can take responsibility yeah. for that. Um, I always say, the day I wake up and I say like, you know, what the hell am I doing doing this? Um, I'll obviously decide to take a step back. But that is not a, it's not about the personal thing. I wake up in the morning and say, my God, do I really feel like going in today? Most times it's like, you know, Sunday night, hey, work tomorrow, rock and roll, let's go. But there are days when, you know, when you say, shit, I have that project, I need to finish, I need to deliver, I know I want to be working on this instead. You know, but it's just, you know, part and parcel of, of the life. But for me, it's about, you know, at one point I look at myself and saying, you know, you've, you've changed, you've become, you know, something which you shouldn't, you've, you're not focusing on the things which value most, your people, your product, you know, your clients, um, I think that's when I'll sort of stop and I'll say, all right, I'm either going to change it back and bring it back to ground zero or I'll make a move. Yeah. You know, I think I think you have to be true to yourself. I mean, 
at one point, I mean, the organization will have, you know, a life of its own and I will have my own ways of thinking and I, I don't want to be slowing the company down, you know. But that would be interesting, just the, way they, the one time we're going to be acquired by this um, UK organization, which was a great company, the CEO was a fantastic guy, we still meet up, we made him our chairman for a while. Um, but, you know, being presented with a huge financial offer to say, let it all go and just become part of something bigger and bigger could have been really cool you know with clients in San Fran and I was going to be on this amazing wage and you know flying around the world and dealing with huge clients huge huge clients you know clients we only dream of but it was a different way of life it was a different belief system if you wish and it was not the the dream I promised my guys so I had to live up to that you know like I listen especially in those days the guys were on this journey with me because I promised them a very different destination and I couldn't just turn back and say oops change of plans <laughs> you know yeah. but I guess also I mean it was probably a promise you made to yourself as well I think to an extent you know you don't always have to be responsible for others I think firstly it's being true to you know I think not many people would with you know such a big offering on the table just you know walk away and stay true to 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 like what you really feel mm. i think it's so, you know when money's on the table it's so easy to just veer away and and i think i think the truth is it wasn't that hard to turn, turn it down dave to be honest with you i think because in the realities i never started this business to make money i'm quite impressed that we're actually making money and i can live off it and i can feed 38 other people you know and it's such a good place to be in mm-hmm. because my expectations were very different for me it was just about let's do some amazing work with some amazing people you know that's what I want to do and that's what we're doing and we're actually getting paid well for it brilliant you know um, I think that's that's sort of the, the thing for me um, and coming back to the thing about you know it could have been easier to say okay but the reality is my biggest um, you know, my biggest sort of responsibility is towards my shareholders and my staff because they're stakeholders as well and thus, it's not about me and it's not about the financial gain. If if all of a sudden I'm going to be um, driven by cash, then I need to get out of this business. I need to get out of, I need to, you know, stop hurting the business and move out and do something else. Because there's other ways to make cash. And it's fine, you know, I, I, there's nothing wrong in making a lot of money. I mean, you know, everybody wants to do that in some way or another, as long as you're going to use their money in, in whatever makes sense for you. But... I think what I strive for would be to hopefully make good money which I can invest on the side and not change brand wagon. So I'd rather, you know, if I was had some money which I've saved rather than keep on investing in brand wagon, I can push it to another investment, the key brand wagon churning. I think that's great. Yeah. Again, if there's an opportunity to make brand wagon, you know, super big and financially, you know, good for everybody, that's even better. I mean, my dream would be for, you know, my team to own shares in the, in the wagon, not just ourselves because it's it's about that community feel eh, at the end of the day yeah beautiful <laughs> I want to ask you as well Pete just mm-hmm. about your kind of view of the future of branding because I'm a big advocate on companies getting more authentic and yeah. more real and I feel like at the moment our generation is so cynical we're bombarded by so much advertising and a lot of it is so inauthentic mm-hmm. you have companies spending you know, hundreds of thousands on these like perfectly curated videos. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is when the logo pops up at the end of the video, you're like, huh? How did that relate to mm-hmm. that brand? Um, and 
yeah, we're, we just have a very big bullshit filter at mm-hmm. the moment. So I think we're kind of seeing a change again in the landscape now um, to the one that you were talking about when you first um, started Brand Wagon. I think that we're coming to like another change here. Maybe just your thoughts around that. Well, I think in general the world is moving towards some sort of big revolution. You know, I think that's, you know, this is history repeating itself. You know, we did this in the 60s, 70s, we did that in the 1920s and 30s. And and the loop is going to keep on rotating. You know, I think we're about to, you know, we're we're on the verge of a whole new revolution of music, of a new generation of businesses, which I think, you know, your company is going to be one of. You know, we're we're on the verge of moving into a very, very different place and space. And along that space brands are going to exist and you know there's nothing wrong with with branding and there's there's a lot of you know questioning about is that authentic is that real well i mean i think authentic and real are the most important things you know as a brand owner you need to stick to the brand story whatever the brand story is so for me sometimes it gets into a difficult position about do i agree with where this brand is going and what what this brand is pushing forward and as long as to a certain degree, there's nothing morally incorrect with it. Who am I to judge? Okay, so what I'm saying is unless it goes really against my beliefs, um, sometimes you have to say, listen, just because I, I believe in different things doesn't mean I believe in the right stuff and this brand is going in a different direction. So I think it's important to be, you know, firmly rooted to, to where we are on the ground. I suppose, you know, in your case as well, you know, if some meat lover comes into your shop and asks for, you know, a, a veggie burger, you're not going to turn him away just because, hey, you're not real, you know, get out of here, what are you doing, you're forgazing. No, you know, it's actually an opportunity for you to bring them closer to what you believe in. Well, we can happily sit at the same table. And I think, you know, to me, it's, it's also the same thing. The truth is that, you know, the creative industry, which is fundamentally, you know, has to be fueled somehow or other by some sort of value generation. You know, people need to eat, people need to buy equipment, people need to create microphones to hold podcasts, you know. So, you know, there is this this whole thing that at the end of the day, you know, value needs to be going around. Now, coming back to the authentic, I think what's important is, is my drive actually is there to bring out what makes a brand really true and really authentic and not mask it and cover it with, you know, if it's... If it's crap, it's crap. You just can't... You can dress crap nicely, but it's still crap. You know what I mean? And that is the reality about it. So, I, I believe that people shouldn't be cheated. You know, so I don't believe... There's, there's a big difference between branding and, and packaging. So if you package rubbish, it's just rubbish in a nice package. You know? It doesn't make it... And that's why it's not authentic. But if you're selling a Coke which is, you know, in my opinion, poison. But to somebody else, it's, it's you know, it's, it's liquid entertainment for a couple of seconds, and that's your choice. Then go for it. But I'm not going to try and, you know, create this Coke ad with all this, you know, vegetarian eating and all this sports, because, you know, they, they just don't go together. So that is the reality. If you Coke, yeah. you know, everybody Be likes Coke. <laughs> Coke. We know it's sweet, we know it's sugary, we know it's got caffeine, and it tastes great. But wasn't don't sell it to me. The sponsor of the last Olympics. I found yeah. that really hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, wasn't you know steroids and everything else the sponsor of the last Olympics as well? So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, having holding hosting the Olympics in Rio, where 
you know, there's so much poverty. For God's sake, man, guys, you just run on the street, give that money to the poor people, mm-hmm. let's build some businesses here. Yeah. You know, that's what we should be doing. Yeah. Definitely. I think, you know, branding has, well, has for so long, you know, masked um, products which have done so much harm um, and been so successful. But I think it's so exciting now because I think branding in the era we live of you know, free information and, and, and so much kind of like a flat structure. I think branding is really in a stage where it can really offer people an opportunity to look at real, true products and start to question, actually, you know, what, uh, do I need this product? Is it beneficial to me? Mm-hmm. Rather than just consuming things and, and having, I feel, you know, for so long there's been such a disconnect between what people are, um, kind of, a disconnect between really understanding what it is that they're buying and mm-hmm. what benefit that has for them. Well, I mean, I think, I think you, you're very right in saying what you just said, Dave, but I think there's also the element of, you know, for me, branding is all about bringing the truth out. So it's all about that. Now, we as brand, um, you know, brand consultants or creatives can really help Entrepreneurs understand that there's a lot of value in truth, and this is about you know the generation of honesty and openness. And you can lie as much as you want, but at some point somebody's going to catch you out there. You know you're going to be caught out with your lies because the internet is bigger than you. I think what scares me most is you know the whole the way media is being you know used at the moment and the, you know the creation of fake news and how perceptions can be changed. And you know I mean. The, the, the big issue is perception over here and how we're playing with people's perceptions and that is the scary reality of, sure. of modern day life sure. it's not you know, it's not right to to blame branding or whatever I mean if you look at a lot of the, the new brands out there you know sports brands and clothing brands and food brands and whatever you know if you're being real and you're showing what you really are that's great but don't you know name a product something and just to give it off as something it's not and that is the reality you know I mean it's just up to us about coming back to to the honest truth of what this brand really is because there is you know there is market for for sugary stuff and you know I'm the biggest sucker for chocolate that there is but just know your limits you know so find good chocolate huh? or find <laughs> so the chocolate yeah. <laughs> boom what's about the aroma <laughs> hey where's my chocolate <laughs> um, yeah you know what I mean so so I think it's I think it's that I think it's that reality um of, of just being honest you know because you have to live life in balance you have to there is time for excess and there is time for you know for stopping and, and just you know enjoying nothing and I think it's mm-hmm. it's great to, to put yourself through that stuff as well you know and experiences are there to be enjoyed and created um, I mean I'm a firm believer in you know in, in enjoying your life as long as it's you know not ruining somebody else's opportunity for their own life's enjoyment and as long as you're being true to yourself but how I live my life is my own, you know, you know, thinking. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to judge anyone else, you know. And I think that's one of the biggest issues at the moment, especially you know, in our in our circle, is that we have to be very very careful about how we judge and who we judge because we might be wrong. Mm-hmm. We might be wrong. At the same time, though, I mean, this is going a little bit off topic. I feel like we've become a society that is really fragile towards judgment. Like, it's like, oh, you're so yeah. scared of judgment. And in a way, it's kind of like, just 
just a little bit too much. You know, like at the end of the day, we're humans. We're always going to be judging each other, yeah. and we need to judge each other because this is how we take decisions on who we want to work with, how we want to be. And I, I always kind of live by the philosophy is I'm fine with other people judging me because mm-hmm. that's that's just giving me more information about the decisions that I'm taking, how mm-hmm. people see me. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if you have a strong enough belief in who you are, then those judgments are not not really going to shake you. Of mm-hmm. course, I mean, nothing to the extreme because of course some judgments from loved you know, people and people that you respect can be so painful, but we've almost gone like too far that we just can't even say yeah. anything anymore. Well, I think, I think it's, you know, if I had to kind of close on something, I think it would be that, the fact that we need to be really careful that when we cast judgment on somebody, we're not necessarily sure of what place that person is to receive that judgment. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to be really, really sensitive about how we lay judgment. And I'm fine with being judged, or so I think, <laughs> you know. So you might say something and I might be really offended by it. Mm-hmm. And that's... And that state might alter the way I'm going to act. So mm-hmm. I do agree with you that we're also sensitive sometimes. Mm-hmm. But but the reality is we also need to be a bit more careful as well. And I mean, my wife is really good at saying something. That if you can't be kind, be quiet. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> and as long as you're you're giving. Now I'm a huge you know person who criticizes all the time. But I criticize in, in the name mm-hmm. of of improvement. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that mm-hmm. by saying what I'm saying, I'm going to actually help improve somebody's. Um, life, so I think we need to be really, really careful about how we cast judgment and how we, you know, how we receive judgment as well. And not everybody is is strong enough to take that. You know what I mean? So I I believe that what we should be doing is trying to help people build stronger characters. You know, tougher skins. But we're not all the same. Yeah. You know, so just because you can take judgment doesn't mean I can take judgment. Yeah. Even though yeah. I might look like I can, I might yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I think we need to be really, really careful about what we say and how we say it. And because perceptions are up to us to control. For sure, beautifully said, very balanced. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pete, we always um, close the podcast by asking a question that we've touched upon in the whole show, but uh, we just ask anything you want to add to the question, what does it mean to you to live a nourished life? Ooh, what does it mean to live a nourished life? I think, I think it's, you know, I believe we're, you know, when we're put on this on this planet, we've been given a set of a set of resources that we can feed, that we can we can grow, and we can make the most of. And I think to live our lives and maximize, you know, what we have, to do our best to learn new skills, and to teach those skills, and to leave this place in a much better way than we actually left. You know, leave it in a better place than when we got here. I think is the most important, you know, point. I think it's not about just nourishing ourselves with life and experiences and, you know, good, balanced, you know, food and everything. I think it's also about, you know, nourishing experiences and and being true and honest and giving everything to everything that you are doing. Beautiful. It reminds me of this uh, phrase, like, we're all the CEOs of our own company, of our own body with these resources that, that we have to manage for our... Totally. I mean, from a from a creative perspective, I think you need to design your own life, yeah. you know, and, and make sure that it's a beautiful canvas. Yeah. Amazing. Great. Well, thanks so much, Pete, for coming. Thank you, guys. Yes. Really appreciate it's it. It's less scary than I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a natural communicator. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you got some inspiration and wisdom. And as always, if you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. And if you feel like there's something in the show that resonated with you and that could help another person, please like, share, comment and 
Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.